The other thing to consider is asset protection planning. And this isn't just talking about your estate, right? Like there's a lot of small business owners that worry about asset protection. People that have sizable assets worry about asset protection because they don't want to lose that money, right? They don't want to have some judgment creditor take money that they've worked hard to earn away from them or from their kids. And the thing to consider is these potential creditors aren't just coming for your money. They could also come for your kids' money, right? Especially adult kids. What if they had a car accident? What if they had a failed business? What if they had a bankruptcy or something like that? What if they have special needs that we need to think about where the advice of a professional would really help tailor a plan to help and cover those situations? You are listening to the Legacy Talk podcast hosted by James A. Jones. Attorney at Law and founder of Sound Legacy Law, PLLC in Tacoma. Attorney Jones is here to talk about how to best protect your family, assets, and wealth. Pulling stories from his more than 20 years of helping families and business owners protect their assets, create their estate plans, preserve their wealth, and plan for the future. Nobody wants to think about estate planning, but life has a way of sneaking up on you. And at any moment, something unexpected could happen that will leave you regretting not having acted sooner. So join Attorney James A. Jones in the Legacy Talk podcast and together learn how to plan for your future today and have peace of mind tomorrow. Welcome to Legacy Talk. I'm your host, James Jones. I'm an estate planning and probate attorney from Tacoma, Washington. I've been practicing for over 20 years, and my practice areas include estate planning, probate, and estate administration. On Legacy Talk, we discuss topics surrounding families and estates. Estate planning is often a confusing and complicated topic, but my goal with this podcast is to make it understandable and accessible to the people who need it. So if this is something that interests you, I'd appreciate it if you subscribe to this podcast, click the like button for this episode so that you can follow along as we break down the barriers of estate planning. I'm excited to get to today's topic. Today's topic is the myth of DIY estate planning, when to call in the professionals so that you can decide how you want to put your estate plan in place. So on today's show, we're talking about the myth of DIY estate planning, when to call in the professionals. So let's get to it. So I'm going to start today's episode with a caveat. I, just like anybody else, have biases and opinions. As an estate planning attorney, I believe the best way to draft critical legal documents is to use a professional who specializes in doing that. When I need my car fixed, I hire a mechanic, but some people fix their own cars. When I have a plumbing problem, I hire a plumber, but a lot of people know how to do plumbing projects on their own without the need of a plumber. The same is true for estate planning documents. With the proliferation of the internet and ready-made forms, some people opt to rely on those forms and do it themselves rather than hire a professional. While not all of these documents are bad or wrong, I'm not going to say that, There are some things to consider before deciding to try to do a DIY estate planning, which is what we're talking about today. And I've got some reasons for it, some stories coming up. So follow along and uh, we'll get right to it. So what are some of the reasons to use a professional estate planning attorney over DIYing it? Okay. 
The first thing or first reason to use a professional is that these documents are complex. Okay. They're intricate. They've got provisions and words in them that the typical person doesn't come across very often. Wills and trusts and powers of attorney are not something that we see all the time. There's not a lot of popular media regarding wills and trusts and estates, so it's not a topic that many people have. I say this all the time. I don't know anybody that has estate planning as a hobby of theirs or estate planning research. So DIY approaches may not adequately address unique situations that can be put into these documents by a professional, okay? And that someone's estate needs or requires. The second reason a professional is advisable for doing estate planning is that everything changes, right? Everything in the world changes, and especially the laws and regulations with regard to how estates are administered, estate taxes, how basis and gains and all those kinds of things are reported to the IRS or the states. That stuff changes all the time, right? And a professional is constantly learning these things and staying up to date and can have those things at the ready to advise clients with regard to their specific needs with regard to any changing regulations or laws and make sure that the plan that is put in place works, right? It, it works with the laws that are there, right? We're not doing something based on laws from 10 years ago and from a Google article that came out three or four years ago before the law changed and we don't know it unless you know it. The third reason, and this might be the best reason, I don't know, this, this is one of the best reasons I say, is individual advice, right? I've been practicing over 20 years. I've seen a lot of different variations on estate plans that went well and went wrong, okay? And so when I meet with a client, they're getting individualized advice based on my experience, 21 years experience doing this, and seeing what can happen if you do something right or wrong. And generic templates or generic questions don't get the nuance, right? They don't provide the nuance sometimes required for certain familial relationships, certain types of assets, certain goals. And those templates that are often found online are built for this, the common, you know, denominator person. And maybe that's not you, right? Maybe you've got something complex that you need to deal with. And maybe you've got situations that specific individualized advice would help with, right? And the other thing that I always say is most people don't know what they don't know, right? So if, if, if you went, if, if someone goes in to do their own estate plan online through one of the many, you know, there's some good companies out there that do online estate planning that you can do do-it-yourself estate planning with. And a lot of the time those plans work, right? If you do it right. And if you fit the mold of the general everyman that those documents are tailored for. But experience from a professional basically can lead and guide you through situations or away from decisions or toward decisions that would hurt or help your plan, okay? They know the questions to ask because they've seen what happens if that question doesn't get asked, right? And make sure that that plan makes sense and addresses that potential issue. We give advice based on that experience and the pitfalls that come with doing something that's not necessarily the best thing to do in that situation, okay? So that's that's that. 
individualized advice, which is super important, I'd say. The next thing to consider is mitigating family conflicts. So if you have a family that there's estranged children or parents or, you know, other relatives or people in, in someone's life that they don't want to have involved or if they want to make sure that they're not even in the picture, right? They don't want to disinherit certain people or something like that, right? Doing your own estate plan is not going to be sufficient to address those concerns, okay? If there's something that's executed poorly or it's ambiguous, those are gateways for people to contest wills or trusts and open the door to litigation and other things that you don't want to get involved in with regard to your estate. You don't want people to have to go through this that you love, right? And and a, a professional drafts unambiguous documents and that reduces the likelihood of disputes among beneficiaries, okay? And it also reduces the likelihood of someone coming in and saying, hey, I wasn't provided for or something or... I was supposed to get this and it doesn't tell me that I'm getting it, you know, that kind of stuff. That stuff is not going to be part of a, a do-it-yourself plan. Those kind of questions aren't going to be asked. And those kind of provisions typically are not going to be included in that kind of a plan. So if there's any any question as to, you know, I've got an issue here with one of the kids or with one of the kids' spouses or my uncle or my brother or my sister or my best friend or whatever... Don't do it yourself. Okay. The next two things on this list that I've got here are pretty much no-brainers as far as use a professional if you have these issues. The first is tax implications. So if you've got a taxable estate, and in Washington, our tax threshold, I've talked about this a million times in this podcast, is low, right? It's $2.1 million and change. Most people that work and have a house and have saved for retirement are close to that and, and without proper planning could have an estate tax burden later for their kids or their friends or their spouse. And so don't try to do tax planning on your own. Hire a professional to help you. It's worth the little bit more it might cost to save probably a lot more in the long run to have a professional draft a plan that doesn't have to have an estate tax return filed, doesn't have to pay estate taxes in many cases. And so that's a definite reason. If you've got a taxable estate or a decent sized estate, don't do it yourself. The other thing to consider is asset protection planning. And this isn't just talking about your estate, right? Like there's a lot of small business owners that worry about asset protection, people that have sizable assets, worry about asset protection because they don't want to lose that money, right? They don't want to have some judgment creditor take money that they've worked hard to earn away from them or from their kids. And the thing to consider is these potential creditors aren't just coming for your money. They could also come for your kids' money, right? Especially adult kids. You know, what if they had a car accident? What if they had a failed business? What if they had a bankruptcy or something like that? What if they have special needs that we need to think about where the uh, advice of a professional would really help tailor a plan to sort of help and cover those situations? So, and then kids creditors, right? Like we can do trusts that protect assets from creditors for your children, that protect assets from creditors from your grandchildren and sort of continue on your legacy uh, through proper planning. So. That's something to consider as well. 
The other thing that I looked, I uh, before I was when I was preparing my outline for today's show, I I went on Google and I did an incognito search because I don't want a million estate planning advertisements coming to my Google search results. And so I searched DIY will on Google thinking, you know, let's see what there is out there. And I, I know the main players out there, of course, but I, I clicked on one and even one of the main players and it says, okay, get your will done for 89 bucks and you've got your will and we'll guide you through a, a question answer process and there you're done. Right. There wasn't any mention of in that tiered plan and even in the second tiered plan for a will, there wasn't any mention of a durable power of attorney or a healthcare directive. And we've talked about that before too, but we want to make sure that we have documents that deal with problems that might arise when we're still alive. What if someone needs to talk to a doctor or a hospital on our behalf? What if someone has to pay our bills because we're incompetent, we can't pay them ourselves? So incapacity planning wasn't really on the forefront of any of those plans that I looked at. Not to say that's not in everyone. There's some uh, some did have a plan that said do your complete plan, but it wasn't the first thing you look for when you're looking for a DIY will. So something to consider. We want to make sure our plan is comprehensive and includes decision making for our lifetime as well as when we're past. The next thing to consider is probate avoidance. And when you go to one of those do-it-yourself websites, the emphasis is on a will because that's the easy, no barrier to entry, basically. It's cheap and simple, usually, to do a will. But there's reasons not to do a will, one of which is to avoid probate. There's other episodes in this podcast where I talk about probate and why we should do it or not do it. But basically, it's a time constraint. It's a hassle. It's hoops to jump through with a judge looking over your shoulder, potentially. And it basically opens the door to contests. If there's a bad family situation or friend situation where someone might come in, they've got a door open because there's already a court case involved. So probate avoidance doesn't just avoid time, it avoids or reduces the potential likelihood for conflicts, contests, and litigation. And doing a simple will is not going to avoid probate. It's not going to avoid probate. So dealing with a professional, maybe a better match for you would be a living trust. And we'll do an episode on living trust standalone episode coming up here. But a living trust has many benefits to add to an estate plan over a will. So that's something to consider. And then, you know, we've talked about this. I, I, I just did an episode which hasn't been released yet. That's coming up in the near future where it talks about reviewing your estate plan. We want to look at it regularly, right? Every two to five years in a major life events or if there's major law changes, we want to look at that thing. And so if you're doing it yourself, are you really staying up on that? With the, At least with my clients, if there's a major law change, we're going to let them know and say, hey, your plan needs to be amended or revised so that it complies with the new law or there's this new advantage that you can take advantage of by revising your plan. That's happened a lot in my career, the, particularly with regard to the estate tax. It's when I first started practicing, the estate tax exemption at the federal level was $600,000. And it's moved up and down and up and down. And planning has been done to take advantage of certain changes in that. And now we have the Washington estate estate tax, which causes its own 
bag of problems, I guess you should say. But um, you want to review the plan. And having a relationship with an estate planning attorney typically will allow you to have that in where if something does change and you're not paying attention, which why would you? It's not your hobby, right, to pay attention to estate planning law change. Your lawyer is going to reach out to you, if you have a good one, at least, (laughs) we'll say. And then finally, this is something that comes up a lot. Plan today, peace of mind tomorrow. With the peace of mind that you have documents that are drafted by a professional with experience and you know knowledge of potential issues and knowledge of your specific family, family situation, your specific asset situation, your specific goals, nuanced advice individual to your plan, that'll give you the peace of mind that really you're looking for when you're doing your estate plan. I, I would think it's the worst thing is if you're doing a do-it-yourself plan and said, okay, we got this will done and hopefully it works, but we don't know, right? I meet with clients all the time who did try to do a DIY will and they say, hey, I, I just want you to review it and tell me if it if it does what I think it does, okay? And I do a lot of estate planning for people that did DIY wills and decided, ah, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. I want to get this personalized approach that will help my estate, okay, will benefit me over this DIY will, okay. And then you fix a lot of them too. You fix a lot of them too. So we don't want to base our planning off of, well, Google told me this would be good, or my friend did it this way, and it seems like they're doing okay. I don't know that that's the peace of mind I'm looking for, especially when it's a check the box, let's do it right. Check the box, that adult thing we've talked about, do it right, okay. So story time. Story time is here. The story for this episode is, I've got a couple actually here, okay? And two of them happened just this week. One positive, one negative, okay? I'm gonna give you a positive and a negative, okay? <laughs> so first first story is a, a probate case. Most of these are through probate cases because I get people coming to hire my law firm with DIY wills all the time. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't work, okay? So I've got three stories today. The first one is about a lady who is uh, a widow, husband predeceased her, no children, okay? She wrote out a handwritten document that said, this is my last will and testament. I want this to go here, this to go there. I don't want anything to go to my brother, specifically, okay? (laughs) The problem is, The problem wasn't that it was handwritten, okay? The problem was that it wasn't signed, it wasn't witnessed, it wasn't executed properly. So one of the biggest things, and I didn't even talk about this, on the why do we use a professional, is you want to make sure that that document is executed properly. And with a professional, it will be, okay? Because we want to make sure that the document works. And it's executed according to the law. And there's specific laws with regard to how to sign a will, how to sign a trust, how to sign a legal binding document. And you want to be able to follow those, okay? So what happened in this estate is she wrote this handwritten will, not signed. She also put notes on her phone and made like little notepad notes on her phone. Said, I want this little thing to go to this person and this little thing to go to that person. Her only relative was a brother who she was estranged from. She had two really good friends that were trying to help 
implement this plan, but it didn't work. It just wasn't possible. And the reason why is there was no will because that handwritten thing that she thought would work and thought worked. And my buddy down the road did it. Maybe, you know, I don't know where her brain was because I never met her. I never met her. She had predeceased my involvement in this case. It didn't work though. And so what happened is the brother that she didn't want to have any thing to do with and specifically wrote in the will, I don't want my brother to get anything. He's the sole beneficiary under the laws of intestacy, which are the state laws, which determine what happens when you don't have a will. So he got everything. And so that's a bad story. Okay. Bad (laughs) results. The next one is another probate case. I had a client come in and the self-made will was basically random pages from some DIY kit that you probably bought at like Office Depot or someplace like that, a, a stationery store, office supply store. And this document, the documents that were signed, they were all signed and dated by this man who is deceased. And in his old man handwriting, like not, he was very frail, it looked like. And his daughter was the only beneficiary, as a daughter that he wanted to be the beneficiary. It was clear that that's what he wanted to have happen. Problem is, all the documents that he signed were, this is part of my will, this is part of my will, this is about my funeral and stuff. So they really, none of them were wills, right? None of them really said, this is my will, this is where I want my stuff to go. You could sort of piece it together, maybe that's what he wanted to have happen, but there's no legal document, it's not a legal document, okay? And my client had a notary come, or there was a notary involved, I guess. And the notary said, well, this will work. It'll be okay. Not to bash notaries, but they're not lawyers. Okay, I'm a notary. I've got two assistants that are notaries. (laughs) But notaries are not attorneys. Okay, and so listening to a friend or someone that's not a professional is maybe not the best thing. So that will is not a will. Okay, that intended will is no will. So that's going to go through intestacy too, and it's not going to, everything's not going to go through to this one daughter. It's going to be split among other siblings and grandkids and all this stuff, and it's going to be a mess. That's that's the second bad story. Okay, <laughs> the third story is one that worked. Okay, it's a DIY will, very simple, one page will, one of the shortest wills I've ever seen, especially a DIY version. I don't I don't know where they got it. But it was a husband and wife. The the wife passed away. They had a child. And they did a last-minute will before she passed away online. It said, I want everything to go to my husband. I want my husband to be the executor. I want my... If my husband isn't around, I want this person to be executor. If, If my husband isn't around, I want this person to be my guardian for my kids. The will didn't say anything about waiving... This is a little bit more nuanced, but there's things that you put in a will with regard to how an estate is supposed to be administered and what a executor has to do dealing with the court. And so it didn't have anything like that. It was witnessed and signed, obviously. The witnesses signed a statement saying, hey, we witnessed this. There was not a, there's a, a way to do a will. It's called a self-proving will where the witnesses sign on the will and they say they witness, hey, we saw this person sign. And then there's another page typically in current wills, modern wills, that's called a self-proving affidavit or something like that. Affidavit of witnesses. And that statement says, hey, we were here, we saw the executor sign, or we saw the 
test testator signed. The person signing the will signed. We saw each other sign. We were all signing at the same time, and we really saw him. We swear to it, under penalty of perjury, and it's either a declaration or it's notarized as an affidavit. So you don't, so the reason why you do that is because you don't have to track down witnesses later. And in this case, we had to track down witnesses. It's the case is in probate. It's a probate case, but we had to track down the witnesses because they didn't sign that self-proving statement. It wasn't part of that will that they got, I guess. Thankfully for them, they knew who these people were, who these witnesses were. But a lot of the time, if you're in a hospital or if you're in a care facility or if you're, you know, you're, you're doing it yourself. Oftentimes, maybe you're in a coffee shop or something. I've signed stuff like that in a coffee shop. You might not ever see these people again and you might not know who they are. Right. And so there's a problem if there's a will with witnesses that can't come back later and sign another doc, actually re-sign that document they should have signed when they signed the original will. If they don't, if they're not able to come back or you can't find them, you've got problems and that will might not be valid. That might not be something that can be admitted into the court. And so thankfully in this situation, they knew the people that signed as witnesses. And so that case is moving forward and the will was entered into the court and approved or accepted by the court. And the husband was the surviving spouse, so he didn't require any bond or anything like that. If he wasn't, if it was a random person, a friend or a family member that wasn't a spouse, it was possible that there could have been a bond required by the court. And it could have been where they didn't have what's called non-intervention powers, which is basically when the court says, hey, we're admitting this will. We're appointing you as the personal representative or executor. Follow the law. Keep us up to date but we're not going to ask you to come tell us every little thing you did every time you do it. Okay. So you basically report back in, in intervals and when you're finished. And so because it was a surviving spouse, they got non-intervention powers too. So that's another win. So that last, the last story here sort of worked out, right? It, it wasn't a catastrophe, which it could have been. And so they're not all bad. Okay. <laughs> These aren't all bad. Like I said, to start the show, I'm biased. I tell clients this too. Hey, I'm biased. I'm doing this for a living, right? I'm trying to put five kids through college <laughs> and support the household and all this thing, right? These things, right? And this is my livelihood. So when I tell people, hey, don't do it yourself, take it with, well, from the, the point of view of a professional who's done it and experienced it, but also I've got some biases, but Anyway, I think the most important thing is that you do it. If you do decide, hey, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to take a whack at it, and I'm going to try to do it myself, see what I find out there online, see if it looks good to me. If you do it yourself, I would recommend at least having an attorney review it to make sure that it's doing what it's supposed to do, for one, and that it fits your situation, for two, that you're not missing anything that could be a critical error down the road. And finally, which we saw a couple of times in these stories, all three, I guess, was it executed properly? Is this plan executed properly? Just a little short story. I had a, a client just last, just right before the end of 2023. So right before the end of the year, it was a last minute. We've got to get this plan done. Spouse was dying given a few months to live but my experience 
in 20 years tells me when it's around the holidays, a lot of the time, and this is hard to say, but it, people hang around for the holidays and as soon as the holidays are over, they often pass. That's just the way it's been in my experience. And that's, that's kind of how I view that. And so I said, well, let's get this done right away. Let's get them signed right away. So they don't have to worry about this over Christmas and all this stuff. And so we sent the documents out. The, the spouse couldn't come in to sign because of his frail and he's in a facility and all this. So we gave explicit instructions with regard to how to execute this will. You need two witnesses. You need to have a notary. These witnesses can't be interested. And what happened is they had one witness and a notary. And the notary said, well, I can be a witness too and notarize. And <laughs> the problem was that the the witness... The notary witnessed on the witness page, which is that page that I mentioned in my third story here where the two people signed, but they didn't say they, they didn't swear to it. There wasn't an affidavit involved, but on the affidavit, only one witness signed and the notary notarized it. So there's really only one witness signing that affidavit. So the good thing about this story is we know who they are as well. So we could always track down that notary and have them sign and say, yeah, I saw him sign the thing. But we hopefully we won't because it was a trust plan. Another benefit of a trust is we probably don't have to use that will. But that's another thing. Don't take legal advice from non-lawyers. Just a little tidbit there. <laughs> anyway, I think that's enough for today. Bottom line, do your estate planning, please. If you have questions, I'd be glad to ask to answer them. Please reach out. I'd like to thank you for listening to today's episode of Legacy Talk. If you liked today's episode, and would like to learn more, please subscribe for more great content. I've been your host, James Jones. It's your legacy. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Talk podcast by attorney James A. Jones. If you found today's episode helpful, we ask that you like and follow us on all major platforms so you don't miss out on the latest episode. If you have questions for Attorney Jones, reach out at info at joneslegacylaw.com or visit our website at joneslegacylaw.com. Join us again next week for another episode of the Legacy Talk Podcast.